0: The opinions expressed in the following video are not in their entirety endorsed by this podcast. They are instead the focus of our discussion today. This is your content warning.
1: If you want to get me righteously angry and fired up, then you say we couldn't keep all the laws. You couldn't keep all the laws. First of all, nobody's required to keep all of the law. That's impossible. I can't keep the laws of a man, I can't keep the laws of a farmer, I can't keep the laws of a Levite, I can keep the laws of a woman, I can keep the laws of everybody, but I I obviously it's impossible for me to do that. Yeshua didn't keep the laws of a woman because he was a man. But anyways, I digress. I was reading my son's storybook the other day where it puts like Bible stories in the the language of a child and has illustrations and stuff. And it literally said that. That they, no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't keep the law. Show me, show me the scripture. Show me the scripture because all through Jeremiah, all through Isaiah, all through 1st and 2nd Kings, all through 1st and 2nd Samuel, all through the Torah, they wouldn't, wouldn't keep the covenant of God. Not couldn't, because there were some that could and some that did. Not that they didn't sin. This don't correlate the two. They refused and did what was evil in Yahweh's sight. Show me the scripture where it says they couldn't because my God from his mouth on Mount Sinai and Yeshua affirms this, Paul affirms this, says, and John affirms this, it says, it is not too far off from you. You can do it. It is not burdensome, but freedom. These words of the law aren't too hard for you, they're not too far off, you can do them, they can be in your mouth and in your life. That's what the Most High says. So you better come at me if you state that statement and truly believe it, that you, that they wouldn't, they couldn't keep all the laws. If you come at me with that statement, you better have scripture to back it up. And I'm not talking about a twisted version of Paul. I'm talking about pure scripture, prophets, Yahweh, Yeshua, stating that you can't do What God told you to do. Because do you realize what you say when you say that? You're saying that God gave something that you can't do and then punished you for not doing it. You're calling him an evil God. And then when you say that Yeshua broke it, which he never did, and that's not scriptural, you're saying that he is a sinner. And if he's a sinner, then we're all in trouble. If you don't understand the law, don't, don't speak on it. Don't say that they couldn't do it. Because that is heresy. It is very, a very deceptive, sneaky little heresy. It is not biblically true. They would not do it. They refused to do it. They rejected the Most High. It's not that they couldn't. It's that they wouldn't. So you better bring me scripture stating, because I haven't found one yet, that they couldn't keep the law. And John reaffirms this. And so does Paul. Be a Berean. Study to show yourself a...
0: Mackenzie Mapes is actually Mackenzie the name Mates, uh, right. of, of the one they were talking about. Uh, but Joshua, how have you been? I'm good, man. Getting Dude, ready for I'm, Christmas. I know it's it's funny because I want to talk about like you know getting ready for Christmas and experiencing the holidays, and this is all going to come out on New Year's. So oh, yeah, by the time anybody right. listens to this, they're not going to care. What we're getting ready for maybe. New Year's
2: too. Sorry. We're getting ready for New Year's, too. That's true.
0: We are getting ready for New Year's. We actually have a men's retreat uh, coming up on on New Year's Day. I'm excited about that. So we're doing a a men's, I say on New Year's Day, New Year's Day night into the second. But anyway, um, but guys, welcome back to another episode of Content Warning, right? A Bible Meets Culture podcast where we break down biblical content versus modern theology. I'm incredibly excited, as always, to be here with you guys. And Joshua, yeah, I think it's the second time. Second time on this podcast, we're actually reviewing Miss McKenzie Maves. This is a video that was sent to us by somebody you go to church with, right?
2: Yeah. So this video was sent to me by someone that I go to church with, uh, and she has a connection to McKenzie. And so uh, she said, hey, I, I see these posts that she makes on Facebook and wondered if y'all would uh, kind of go over it and talk about it. And basically all we do with this podcast, as you guys who listen know, is we just want to give biblical answers to uh, various things. We were talking earlier about how now the world kind of gets their material in one minute sound bites on TikTok. And, and that's true of theological and biblical material as well. So some a lot, sometimes that can present a challenge because of context and things. But uh, at the end of the day, that's all we have to go off of. So that's what right. we're going to do today. We're just going to yeah. have a conversation about this.
0: 100 percent. And ironically, if you've, lo- you've already at this point, you've already either watched or listened to the video that we've we've kind of preloaded for you. Um, If you're confused, don't worry. Uh, We're going to try to to make it less confusing. But believe it or not, this is probably one of the least confusing videos that I at least I found uh, of her content. So that's going to be really interesting, too. But Joshua, I'll go ahead and let you introduce our guest today.
2: Well, I am very, very excited today because we have with us Dr. Randall Bailey. Uh, Dr. Bailey is a professor at Faulkner University. He is one of my professors. And if he wasn't here, I'd still say this. He's one of my favorite professors. Um, He is so, so wonderful in how he teaches, but also just being a friend to all of the students, Um, which I know as a teacher, sometimes you don't want to be friends with your students. But Dr. (laughs) Bailey is certainly a friend. I have reached out to him so many times for so many different things. And he is so generous to, uh, at short notice, be willing to come on the podcast. Dr. Bailey uh, is a, at least in my opinion, he may tell you something different. He is a specialist in the Old Testament. And uh, that's one reason why we wanted to have him on here to talk about the law and our relationship to it today. So uh, thank you, Dr. Bailey, for being with us.
3: Well, I appreciate it. And I, I appreciate those words. They're very humbling. The uh, graduate work was a, was a struggle for me. And I'd preached in years. Uh, while I was going to school. And uh, I had one view of why I wanted to go to graduate school. And uh, I tell people I basically got two degrees. I finally finished with the PhD, but God gave me a degree in humility. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I really struggled in my program. And as a result, I wound up thinking, I think what you're referring to Josh, I think more like a student and I love to teach. And uh, to me, it's just getting a game together and doing what we're doing on this podcast when you're teaching classes. And, yeah, you have to grade papers and all of that. But, but uh, I want to learn and I still want to learn. And it's just a joy to be able to have so many friends, many of them who I think are smarter than I am, <laughs> way beyond what I've been able to do. And that's a, that's a joy, too, and that's a blessing.
2: Uh, yes, sir. There's, well, there's, we,
3: many, there's many of my students already. I've lived long enough. Uh, it sort of reversed. That was my student. I tell people that person was my student. Was one of my students. So I'm really blessed.
2: Well, we really appreciate you being on with us today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. So with that, we'll just kind of jump right into it, right? Because, like, like you said, Joshua, this is a video about the law. And our relationship with it, and uh, I'll get your initial take here in a second, but basically uh, we're going to, we're gonna again, trying to boil this down to its simplest form, is uh, in our relationship with keeping the law, right? And again, we'll, we'll kind of try to define what she means when she says law, because if you, you kind of look into her stuff, she's going to refer to uh, what she's, well, what is the Torah, right? Um, but it's it's the idea of wouldn't versus couldn't. Right. Um, And and she makes this comment that if you want to get her righteously angry, uh, you say something like they couldn't keep the law versus they wouldn't keep the law. And, And I look first off, I do appreciate her her specific use here, because we say all the time, you know, when you're being specific, it makes it a lot easier for people to understand what you're saying. Right. So, I mean, she she's very clear. She's just got a really particular problem with the word when you say that they couldn't. Versus versus wouldn't and so what I just want to get your initial thoughts on this, Joshua. What what did did you kind of notice coming out of this?
2: Yeah, so for me, uh, when I first saw the video, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was provocative, and I thought that her tone probably made more of that than the actual words that she was saying. So, uh, one thing I tried to do was go back and listen to it, where I'm just taking the words rather than her tone, uh, because nonverbal communication is 93% of, of communication. So you take that out, you're left with 7%. And you know, not everyone is a hundred percent wrong. A hundred percent of the time. I think she makes an interesting claim about the, how we often think about law in, in legal terms, like this is the law of the land. And to a degree that's true. Um, other of it though, and, People like John Walton and others have done a lot of work in this uh, Susan Tree Treaty idea of the law. And I'm, I'm hoping to get Dr. Bailey's comments on that as well uh, before we're done. But, you, you know, it's it's interesting because I think that she does not give proper weight to the consistency or, or to the consistent call of obedience throughout the law, uh, the call to obey. The call to have a respect for it, to, to teach it and to learn it and to live it uh, and, and that it shows us how to live in relationship to God and man. So I'm, I'm very interested in, in y'all's comments as, as well, because I, my first take was this is provocative. But then if you take away certain things, there's elements to truth. But I think that our conversation today will shed a little bit of light on some of this stuff,
3: too. Uh, Dr. Bailey, what were your thoughts? Well, my, my first reaction, uh, I, I talked about it with, with both of you before we started the recording uh, was this is so much like a product of the world in which we're in where everybody lives by their own definitions. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right. It's so short uh, that I, my, my second reaction was, has she read Galatians? Mm. <laughs> and uh, But it's very obvious that she, at least from what I can tell, that she is defining law in her own way because she talks about a law for women and a law for men. And actually the law was for everybody, but men and women had to respond certain ways to the law and um there was there was that and and then that just kind of overconfidence that seems to come from this is my definition and and therefore I know uh, I thought, I don't think your definition will work, and uh I wish that you did not make it sound like you really know more than you do um it reminded me of the, yes, couldn't and wouldn't. Uh, couldn't and wouldn't. Uh, the law was such, and as Paul talks about it, being our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, was to teach people what sin was. There was even faith involved in in the law. But what's interesting is, she says couldn't or wouldn't. Everybody put it, blunt, or put it uh, mildly, everybody has bad days. So whether you're a man or a woman and there's a bad day, I'm using that in a special way. And you lived under the law and one, one day you didn't keep a part of it. Rather than getting into the couldn't or wouldn't, the fact is you didn't keep it. <laughs> you violated it. And so couldn't and wouldn't wouldn't implies more of a rebellion and couldn't implies a weakness. And so I think she's oversimplifying things. And, uh, I've, of course, Paul had longer than, a, what was it? A few minute, co- uh, a few minute, um, podcast in Galatians when he's going through and explaining what the law was. But I thought before you do a podcast like that, you need to, uh, to really, really to know what is in what Paul said, who was the kind of, wasn't the rabbi of rabbis, Jesus was, but Paul certainly was a fantastic rabbi and he knew what he was talking about I and mean, then with the added inspiration. I have seen this, this is not my first experience. I have seen this in two other occasions. It's it's a Gentiles, Goyim as they, <laughs> we're called, uh, who adopt messianic judaism for themselves years ago there was a little group north of montgomery that was meeting in an old house there were about 15 of them and they were one of these groups and they wanted me to teach them hebrew Uh, but the leader of the group it lasted a few weeks they got grammars and i went up and they were so excited to to see me, but it became evidence that there was a pecking order and there was one who was really diligent in making the other. But if ever I was even lecturing or going through a lesson with them, was using Pratico and Van Pelt, if I said, Jesus, that leader would castigate me, Uh, and I'm thinking, well, if that's the tr- English translation of the Greek, which is English, which is a Greek translation of the Hebrew. So what's the big deal here? <laughs> Let's go back to Joshua then, if you want to do that. But why Why are you, you you're doing that? Well, I'm just saying,
2: Joshua is a great
3: name. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. Exactly. And uh, it's interesting to me, and you never see this in the commentaries as I chase a rabbit, but there's only one area that Joshua ever made a mistake. And the way the text is written, it leaves it open that he might have been having to clean up a mess that Israel was. When the Gibeonites come and trick Israel, it's Israel, they didn't ask of the Lord, and Joshua is not mentioned, and later he's mentioned as dealing with it. And so I, I've kind of wondered if Joshua in his life and the way the text is written about him. I'm sure he made mistakes, but they're not really recorded. If his life is kind of typical of Jesus, mm. that's kind of, the, I've never seen it in a commentary. That's one of the things I wonder about. But I was an elder at a congregation one time years ago, and uh, there was one of the elders that got really excited about this stuff. And he wound up getting one of these people to come and holding a weekend seminar. I was gone. He told the other elders that this would help us understand the New Testament better if this fellow came, and it was this kind of stuff. The guy did all weekend. He blew his shofar and uh, he got excited about the pomegranates and the tabernacle and temple, whatever he was doing about that. And I, I kind of bluntly told him later, if you wanted to understand the background. Why didn't you ask me? I'd have been happy to teach a class on it. Why did, why did you have to get a fellow like this to come in? And sadly, fortunately it stayed together. I was, I had resigned earlier, a few months earlier as an elder for other reasons before this came up, but I was still a player because people kept coming to me and, but it almost split the church. And, uh, it, it, it's sad when instead of conversations like we're having here, people get so so confident about something they're doing that in this postmodern world that my definition is right and the rest of you are wrong and there's no no way to talk about it. And I, I just think that that's what's happening with her. At least yeah. that's the way the podcast sees it.
0: Well and so it's interesting that you say that right because she makes the comment like if you're going to come she she makes a comment if you're going to come with an argument right that it's that, that it couldn't keep the law versus wouldn't keep the law then she said you better back it up with scripture and she even puts a clarification around scripture she says not a twisted version of paul but then she goes on and she says but but only what was it only the torah or prophecies or yahweh Or something along those lines and so looking through all of her stuff when when she talks about the law um i keep thinking that she's or at least what i'm implying is that she's referring to the Torah specifically um because and i go through here and it's again it's ironic to me that you mentioned paul because there are several comments and she actually makes a response video to one of them where she assumes somebody is referencing romans chapter six verse seven and eight and then later on if you go through the, the comments on this particular video, somebody talks about Galatians chapter five and verse four, yeah. uh, to which there's a response. Keeping the Torah and trying to be justified by it are two completely different things. Both both of those comments uh, she refers to as as twisted versions of what Paul's words actually were, um, which, again, to me, I think is just kind of fascinating. It's one of those things, you know, as you were talking about and I mentioned before we start recording, there was a, a a gentleman who commented that uh, you know you know made, basically made the comment. Of course, you would say don't use Paul's words um, because again, it is something that that Paul speaks to um, occasionally, right? Maybe more so than just occasionally, but uh, I find just kind of very interesting. So when she talks about keeping the law, she's referring to to the Torah, and the argument that she makes when it comes to manipulating Paul's words is that Paul would never speak against. Would never speak against the Torah because, in her mind, that would mean Paul was uh, um, encouraging or promoting sin. uh, Because sin, to her, is just a violation or transgression of the Torah. Uh, And so, there's again a lot to unpack, and it's it's very interesting uh, in my opinion, and kind of like you said, the, the wording that she uses in, in this particular argument. Um, but we, you know, we talked about this too, the lack of context. I'm still trying to figure out what, uh, what, what narrative or, or account she's referring to. And she was talking about how she was reading through her children's storybook. Uh, and she found, found this problem in it, so to speak. I'm still trying to figure out exactly which one she was referring to. Um, but, but anyway, I I do find that interesting that, that she didn't want to, uh, didn't want to address a lot of what Paul had to say. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I think as far as the story goes, I mean, there I could see a children's book putting this in several places, um, particularly in Romans and Galatians, maybe even in the in the death of Jesus, the sacrificial death that you know he lived a perfect life and he was the only one who kept the law perfectly, and no one else could have kept the law perfectly, and it took God in the flesh doing that. So you know, I I could see that in a in a kid's book because. That those those children's Bibles are, are are a blessing and a very dangerous thing all at the same time. So um, we'll we'll take that for what it is. But as for me, like the whole process of keeping the law, I, I wonder how far she would want to push that. Because right. well, she does, you make make the Do what so she does make some sort of clarification. Do what now?
0: See, she does make some sort of clarification, right? Mm-hmm. She said, of course, nobody can keep all of the laws, right? You can mm-hmm. only keep the, the laws that are applied to you specifically. Yeah. Right? So she's like, I can't keep the laws of a man or a Levite or, or yada, 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 you know. Yeah, um, we so can give grace to that, you
2: know. Right. Guess, some clarification obviously. there. But, you know, my question is, I wonder if while she's making that video that we watched, if she is wearing cotton and polyester, you know, pants there's Leviticus nineteen nineteen talks about not wearing clothing woven with two kinds of material.
0: Right. You know, well, my, she is, she, my pants she's wearing, today, my yeah, pants so today she,
2: have cotton and polyester. Right. So.
0: Well, and so that's, she's wearing, she's actually wearing a fleece jacket with a zipper on it. So, you know, it's not a fleece zipper. So there's two different kinds of material there, but, um, in well, the that's, video, that, just, that I guess, and that's kind of a
2: silly, silly thing, but my right. question no, is I understand. In, how far do you push that? Cause in a way, I could say, yes, there are aspects of the law that we today must keep. You know, I think we would say you you should not murder someone. You shouldn't steal from someone. If someone asks you something, you should tell them the truth, what we usually call the moral aspect of the law that translates into the New Testament. And then there's, and Dr. Bailey can say more about this because he's he's talked, uh, when, when I took the class with him on the Torah, we spent a little bit of time talking about this, but the, those designations that we've given in the past of civil, ceremonial and uh, and moral aspects of the law. Most people, uh, I guess, now or most commentators probably don't divide it that way like they have in the past. They see more of a streamline through through the law than those. But uh, Dr. Bailey, talk about that for just a little bit about uh, the, the various kinds of laws and what they may mean in different contexts.
3: Well, it's 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 interesting. <clears throat> Torah, as as you know, we call it law, but it's it's more than than that. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, rule. It's it, it's a guidance. And what you see there are uh, parts of it. You mentioned Walton. It was Mendenhall and some others who came up with. the, uh, vassal treaties you can see parts of that in in the law um and it seems to be extracted from the near east and the people who like to criticize says that won't work it's because they say well there's not the exact pattern there's extremists on 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 everything and so uh it as you look at it I, rather than law Yes, there's apodictic law, there's casuistic law. Uh, casuistic law, if you know if an if ox gores a man, blah 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 you'll do this. Uh, it's called case casuistic or case law and it's giving examples. You can't write enough examples because the, uh, if you do the examples, a thousand of them, there's going to be one that you missed. And then the apodictic thou shalt not, or you shall not, uh, those uh, are general principles and they do fit. Uh, They do fit the vassal treaties because the the vassal treaties, the overlord and the vassal, the overlord would state the stipulations. It would begin with a history. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. Therefore, you shall not do this, and you shall not do this, and you shall not do this. And uh, these are the rules, and they are written on uh, as a treaty, and they are placed in the house, of in the God's house of both Vassal and uh, and overlord and i think we have a misunderstanding we think of the 10 commandments which is interesting it's called 10 words in hebrew and depending on how you count them there's 10 11 12 up to 14 words mm-hmm. <laughs> depending on how you count them so uh <clears throat> we think of five and five but i think what happened is there are 10 and 10 and uh, god said put put these in the temple the tabernacle these are your copies. And since I'm dwelling with you and don't really have a temple, you can put my copy in there too. <laughs> now there's no way to prove that, but I think that's what's happening. God's willing, among them. And so when you see this kind of rule that the Torah is, it's not like we think of law. And so if you were to break it down, God is giving them this rule and he gives them all the, now priests should do this, uh, the Aaronic priesthood should do this, and there are Levites that should do this, and husbands should do this, and fathers should do this, and women should do this. And he's breaking it down. So it's, it's kind of ludicrous to me to say, I'm a woman, and I can't keep the man's laws. I would say, well, God's not expecting you to keep the man's laws. What's, what's the problem there? It's a, it's a guidance. It's an overall. But then we've misread things. Thou shalt not kill you get into absurd situations. We, we, we misinterpret it according to modern terminology. It's hard to reconcile thou shalt not kill with and say, you can't do capital punishment based Romans 13. Mm
0: -hmm. And I was
3: in a Sunday school class one night. Well, the Sunday school class is over It's a home Bible study Sunday school, you know, personal Bible study. And, uh, we were talking afterwards that's when sometimes the best classes occur when we're just talking and this somehow capital punishment came up and this uh, lady said well the Bible says thou shalt not kill and I said well that's referring to unlawful killing I said later he says anybody that doesn't obey this law you shall execute and she said you're quoting the Old Testament so was she Yeah, I said I didn't go there you did (laughs) What gives here? But that that shows how what a poor hermeneutic, and those are absurd, I guess, situations. But instead of looking closely at what the text is and putting it in its context, we're sort of nit, nitpicking or picking, cherry picking what we want and say mm-hmm. this is the rule. And and uh, Hugo McCord used to say. Uh, y'all wouldn't know Hugo, but man, Hugo was something I did. I had never had the privilege of studying with him. He was from Carbon Hill, Alabama, preached for years, uh, got his PhD uh, from New Orleans Baptist. Uh, in his old age, he wrote a fantastic, made a fantastic translation of the New Testament, taught in Oklahoma, and every morning, when he was seventy or so years old, he would read an hour out of his Hebrew Bible and an hour out of his Greek Bible, had a two-hour devotional as as a personal devotional. And uh, the the passage that Josh was talking about a moment ago in Leviticus, not wear a man's clothing. Back in the seventies, he said. Uh, let's be logical about this. He said, if I were to wear a pantsuit, a women's pantsuit, it wouldn't fit me if I did. He said, people get upset about pants. He said, that is made for a woman. It's not made for a man. It's not pants. Just like in the Islamic world, when men wear these dress like things, that's a man's clothing. And he said, so let's, let's use some logic here. Uh, People get upset about women wearing pantsuits in the 70s. He said, they're women's pantsuits, and I wouldn't wear one in a minute. And and he said, women's blue jeans. They're, yeah, some women may wear a man's blue jeans, but they're women's blue jeans. And so that goes a long way toward explaining some things. And some of those older preachers had fantastic illustrations. This may be Chasing a Rabbit, but G.C. Brewer, I never knew him, but G.C. Brewer... Uh, gave one of the best definitions in one of his articles I've ever heard about the entire Old Testament the law though he said uh, you go to the bank and you borrow money for whatever a house or a car and there are stipulations of what you must do and you try to do those things but the loan comes due you and you can't you, you can't make the payment so what do you do he said you pay the interest and refinance it. And uh, then you pay again and that happens and that goes all your life. And then you die and you say, well, who owes the money? And you say, well, the state of the man who died. And you say, well, no, the banker did. The banker made the loan (laughs) and therefore he owes the money. And so the banker did. And when the guy paid the interest off, so he owes the money to the bank. And he says something like that's what the law is. God said, here's the rules, and you follow all the rules, and you pay the interest. And then ultimately, when that law was at the end and Jesus came, God not only paid the interest off, but paid the debt. <laughs> And I, I thought it's a simplified a genius is in the simplification and uh, you see how that covers everything instead of me being a male and her being a female and I don't keep, I can only keep part of that. Uh, the law was for everybody, even for the animals. Uh, she doesn't like us quoting Paul, but Paul quotes, you don't, you don't muzzle the ox when you tread out the corn, Uh, even poor animals, there are laws for them, not in obedience, but to protect them. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've, I've thought about the law in, uh, to use another illustration. And I don't I don't think I came up with this. I actually think Dr. Gleaves came up with this. Um, Dr. Gleaves is another professor at Faulkner. And if it wasn't him, I don't know who it would have been, but I think it was. We were uh, getting ready to have our hermeneutics class, I think it was, and we were going over the syllabus, and he said, I'm your benevolent dictator. (laughs) This this syllabus is our agreement. It says what I'm going to do for you and what you're going to do for me, and if we both keep our ends of the bargain, we're both going to be happy. And I kind of think that's a pretty good way to look at the law. It it shows what God's going to do for them, especially at the end of Deuteronomy. Um, you get the blessings and the curses. You know, if you do what I expect, this is what I'll do for you. And if you don't, this is what's going to happen. So I, and, and I think that kind of rephrases the question, too, with this particular uh, video with, that we're reviewing, that if it's just that they wouldn't, you know, versus couldn't. Then that, that kind of re, reframes how you might look at something like the exile Mm-hmm. And and uh, even the the coming of Jesus, for example. Yeah.
3: And, and it, it's interesting too. As much as she wants to talk about wouldn't and couldn't, I wonder if she's read much of Leviticus because all the all the sin offerings, general sin offerings, they were for different things. There's the trespass offering, which is for willful sin, and then there's the offering for unintentional. Sins, so wouldn't those two things counteract and explain will wouldn't and could <laughs> if it's taking into consideration God say okay here's a sacrifice you should offer when you willfully sin and and uh, you're in rebellion and and you later change your mind here's what you shall do and oh by the way everybody's going to sin. And when you find out that you have sinned, and it was something you did not realize you did, here is a different sacrifice. And so, I think "wouldn't" and "couldn't" is included in those two. Yeah. Uh, right. So why? why so,
2: but but what we're saying, I think we can all three mm-hmm. agree on, is that it's not necessarily "wouldn't" and "couldn't" in two different camps. You have to put mm-hmm. them together. Going back it's, to what you said earlier, Doctor Bailey, about uh, they're, they're, they did they did have a rebellious. I don't want to say rebellious nature, but they enjoyed rebellion to a, a large. Had a good, degree. They had a
0: good rebellion yeah. streak and going. They, they
2: sure did, um, but also the weakness that comes from being in a fallen state.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Joshua, you you mentioned it before that uh, in our tradition specifically, right? In our faith tradition, you you run into a lot of people that that want to not pay attention to the Old Testament at all. Right. Like for, for what we think, I don't know if, uh, you know, we've used the illustration with the, like the Holy Spirit, but like we just kind of like the Old Testament's there and it's good and it's fine. Like, you know, we'll study that like for our adult Bible classes, if we've got nothing else to cover, um, but we don't like acknowledging it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, it's, I say it's rare. I would assume in, in today's modern Christianity, it's probably more rare than not that you would find somebody who seemingly gives What we would estimate too much authority to the Old Testament in in some regard, and so I think that that is is kind of interesting there too, because again, her when she talks about explaining covenant and law and sin and all this stuff, it all it's all connected to how well you can keep the Torah, Mm -hmm. so to speak, uh, which again is is part of that. But, um,
2: and I think another question I would have is if, if you are to keep the Torah in in all its forms. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder when the last time she sacrificed at the temple. I, I, would had, it a thought,
0: I had a thought about that, too, honestly, because, again, it's it's seemingly one of those things that how well do you get to um, how well can you, you know, or, or do you keep those particular things that, that you cl- at least claim to keep or or, or at least it, it's seemingly in this video very passionate about somebody keeping. Right. At some point in time. And so to me, it kind of brings that because I think that there is some sort of intention for her to bring that into today. Right. Right. Um, And so this idea of wouldn't and couldn't, I I was going through the the comment threads there uh, and and somebody commented. And this is probably the longest response that she gave to anybody in any of her comments, because somebody commented on, on this particular post and said, was Jesus sinless? And if so, why is it important that we keep the law perfectly? And, and she makes a comment here that the argument that Jesus kept the law perfectly so that we don't have to, she says, is ridiculous because we're not the Messiah, right? It was not our design or intent to keep the law perfectly. It was his. And so the Messiah walked blamelessly to cover up our sins so that we can finally stop transgressing and walking away from covenant with God. Uh, And again, I'm assuming that transgression is based on everything that she said thus far is transgressing of the Torah and walking away from that covenant that we have. But I think that, again, she does make some sort of attempt this video to bring what was into the now. Um, And again, the question that kept popping up into my mind and the reason that I thought at least initially this video was rather confusing was, was she upset because they're just referring to, to the, the people of Israel or these, these old covenants that everybody was, was trying to or not keeping, couldn't, wouldn't there? Or is she talking about now, right? Is she referring to us in the sense of we can't slash won't keep the law or the covenants or so on and so forth with God? Um, because, again, she references, I think she references Mount Sinai in the video. About how God, and this is, again, the, the jumping back and forth is the thing that confused me, I think, a little bit, right? Because she, she references Mount Sinai and says that God says, or Yahweh says, and then she comes back to the New Testament and says, and Paul affirms, and John affirms, and Jesus affirms that the things that we're supposed to do are not too far out of our reach. And so when we do fall or transgress, it's because we choose to as opposed to we could not. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little. Uh, I, I See, did, I, I don't even but, know how to explain. Well,
2: no, I'm, I mean, I, I think, I think there's, I don't know. Or am I, I, I misinterpreting? Think, I think when she is talking about the the people that they wouldn't keep the law, right. On the flip side, on the other side of the coin of that, she's saying it's not necessarily that they that the, that they had the ability to perfectly keep the law either. Mm-hmm. I think she's saying. God never expected them to perfectly keep the law, but he expected them to live to the best of their ability in accordance with it. But rather than doing that, they only yes. rebel yeah. rather than talking about that weakness that we talked about earlier that comes with that being placed over against the uh, right. the, the law itself. So I, I, I kind of think what you're doing, Nathan, is, is uh, bringing us to a good transition to talk about what the law, it, the relationship of the law to us as Christians today.
0: Right. Because, That's again, a huge like, yeah. question
2: that most people have.
0: Right. Well, and, and we kind of reference that, right? Because we don't like to, I say we, right? Generally speaking, traditionally speaking, our Patriot doesn't like to acknowledge the Old Testament, right? Because we're under the new covenant. So nothing in the Old Testament applies to us, which again, I, I know, I know you disagree with, because we've had the conversation before, right? And I assume mm-hmm. Dr. Bailey does as well. Uh, that you know nothing in the Old Testament applies to us. In fact, we've talked about a little bit how you can't really understand Jesus, period, uh, if if you don't understand the Old Testament to any extent. But when you start talking about how does our relationship with the wall work today? Because uh, again, for the most part, and, and to give credit where credit's due, to the mo- most of the audience that's going to listen to us or, or TikTok or whatever the case may be, that's all they're worried about, right? They're worried about what their relationship is with the law today and what that law is. So, mm.
2: well, you know, I, yours I, think like yours. I think it's good to to build, at least as I look at it, to try to build your biblical theology first and then bring a systematic theology out of that. So, basically, start where the Bible is, see what the Bible says, and then see how that applies to us. So, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it over at, at Dr. Bailey again, and because he's he's the expert among us. Um, <laughs> I don't know about. Well, I do, but say among
0: among us, it doesn't among among us. It's definitely (laughs) true.
2: But uh, we we mentioned Galatians earlier, and I wanted to save that to kind of later on in our podcast, which we've reached now. So uh, let's let's see what our relationship is to the law, Doctor Bailey.
3: Um, I want to talk more instead of out of Galatians right now about experience. Um some experiences i've had that i think improved quite quite well i think in the tradition that we're talking about the restoration tradition people misunderstood alexander campbell's sermon on the law uh things get boiled down in sermons uh and there are that's that's in the old testament and we haven't developed a hermeneutic and people they look at leviticus they look at the prophets and those are those are hard studies and let's just go to the New Testament. So what they have is a um, warped view of the New Testament even. Um, When I was studying from my PhD comps, uh, the joke is I rigged a comp. (laughs) I didn't set out to rig it. I need to talk to you later about how to do that. (laughs) I talked to Dr. Huffman and he said, uh, you need to take a New Testament uh, course and take a New Testament comp. And I had a great relationship with him. And I said, Doctor Huffman, I'm about as interested in learning about Q as I was the Documentary Hypothesis. And he just grinned and and uh, we talked. And he said, Well, we had a student do something in Black Theology a few years ago. Said you could do something in Church of Christ theology. And so he said, Write a petition to see if you could do test out in Church of Christ theology. And I knew what he meant. And I wasn't gonna try to correct all of that, that terminology of his. Uh, so I did. Uh, he said, well, write to Daryl Dowdy, who was head of, uh, he was a New Testament professor, Dr. Parker's main professor. He said, write to uh, him and say, this is not a petition, but you would like to do this. And uh, I said, uh, Okay, so I took a scratch sheet of paper. It had my child's doodling and mine on it. And I said, this is not a petition. But Dr. Huffman suggested that I try to test out an old, in Church of Christ theology. And he never answered me for a couple of weeks. And I contacted him. And he said, well, I hadn't talked to the committee. And I said, but it's not a petition. He said, I know. And then I got a letter back from him. He said, we've talked to the committee. And yes, you can do that. He said, number one, you need to get someone who's qualified to write the exam. And dumb me thought of Jimmy Jack Roberts at, <laughs> at, at, at uh, uh, Princeton. <laughs> and I talked to Dr. Hupp and He said, oh, heavens no. So get Dr. Payne, who was the church historian at Drew. And uh, he said, you see if he will do it. So I wrote Dr. Payne. And he said, yeah. But what I had to do is I had to deal with contemporary Old Testament theology and then the rest of the question is gonna deal with uh, Church of Christ and the old uh, the theology. And so they want to have at least an Old Testament things. Well, Dr. Payne got to, uh, um, he said, he said, I'll do it but watch your background. And and uh, so what I did is I said, I would like to do it. I'd written a thesis on predestination of the foreknowledge of God and the free will of man. And I said, I'd like to do that. And that's what they said yes to. And Dr. Payne got to try and he knew about Campbell and knew about these people. And he says, "Uh, can you, uh, where can I get some material to write this exam? I said, well, I wrote a thesis on it. He will send send it to me. So he wrote the exam based on my thesis. And then added the question on Old Testament theology. And in one way I rigged the exam, but in another way I was being tested again on what I'd written like another defense. So I joked that I rigged the comp. But my point is with that long chase was having to deal with contemporary Old Testament theology. I began to notice a parting of the ways which make me now joke I'm not a theologian, I'm a biblist, Because the Hebrews never thought in terms of what the Greeks did. We've got a bipolar personality in theology now. That The Greeks would like to talk about the existence of God, but the Hebrews said, in the beginning, God. And, uh, and the Greeks would say, this is a contradiction in the text, but the Hebrews would say, no, we're talking about God here, and you just don't understand God. <laughs> and so I like the Hebrew interpretation better than the Greek. And that lays the foundation uh, for I think when you come on over to our, our where we are today in in the restoration movement, we have our focus on the the New Testament so much, and ignoring and only reading the New Testament. What don't even read the Old Testament passages. We read what Paul and others said when they quoted those passages we We really rob ourselves of a lot of depth and breadth that we we would need, and I can illustrate this in a moment so it, through the years, it's interesting to me that there has never been a study of the restoration movement in the Old Testament. It's interesting you read joshua and and particularly Samuel Kings and particularly Kings. And there's a time and time again, uh, kings, good kings did certain things as it's written in the law of Moses. And then when Ezra and Nehemiah and all of that comes back, they're coming to restore the law. And then Amos and Isaiah and Hosea, they are restoring, go back to the covenant go back you need to come back to the covenant and it's really fascinating that there's a whole restoration movement in the old testament uh we make a big deal out of ephesians and the marriage and we're married to christ but that's what hosea is all about that that you married god at sinai and now you you were cheating on him with these pagans. And Jeremiah even raised the divorce question of Deuteronomy 24, if a man divorces his wife, can he take her back? Will God be able to take Israel back after the divorce of the exile? And I think we just miss a lot of that. Now the illustration is, before I was an elder, before Todd Brenneman was an elder at University Church, Uh, My phone, my text, my family are texting one another. That's what that noise is. And uh, the elders asked Todd, who was education deacon then, to uh, create a class called Digging Deeper. And they said, this class is not a traditional Sunday school class. This class is designed for people who may not have time or want to go to Faulkner University and get a degree in Bible but they're tired of the Sunday school classes they've been sitting in for 10, 15, 20 years. So uh, Todd said, how about teach Exodus? You've uh, wrote a commentary on Exodus, so I taught Exodus. He said, how about teach uh, Proverbs? So I taught Proverbs. Uh, We rotate, there's other people teaching it, and Todd uh, Todd has taught in it too. Uh, He said, how about teaching Job? So I taught Job. He said, how about teaching the Song of Solomon? So I taught the Song of Solomon. He said, how about teaching Daniel? So I taught Daniel and then Scott Gleesh taught the intertestamental period because the class was going crazy. we got the second part of Daniel and I kept reading stuff from the intertestamental period. And We want a class on the intertestamental period. So I I taught that. And then he said, teach one on Leviticus. And I go, Leviticus, man. And so I went in, I didn't think it'd work, but I used this illustration when I was a child, my dad drank black coffee and uh, I wanted to be like dad and I hated black coffee, but now I like black coffee. And I said, you've got to drink your coffee. I want you to read Leviticus through each week. (laughs) And they go, what? It's a Sunday school class. Just read it through each week. And so as we got into Leviticus, then when we would hit these things about a woman who's going through a menstrual cycle and her being unclean and what she had to do, then we would jump to the New Testament and talk about the woman with the issue of blood right. and say, now you've read this from the New Testament, but this is what this woman went through. Go back and, and, and the class got so excited that uh, one of the ladies came out and she said, you know, I never thought, I'd like the book of Leviticus, but I love that book. And she said, now, I'm not waiting for somebody to teach me Hebrews. I'm going to go read Hebrews on my own and learn from it because I know what Leviticus is saying. And it was interesting. And I think if we would do something like that, find a way to help people get interested and show them the connections, they will fall in love with the Old Testament. But you have to be patient and make those connections. And you have to ask challenging questions. I've been pointing out recently that the divorce question, we quote it as if it applied to everybody. But in Deuteronomy 24, he's talking to Israel. He's not talking to the world. And he says, if a man divorces his wife, if he writes her a letter of divorcement, and she goes and marries another man, and he dies or he divorces her, it's an abomination of the Lord for her first husband to marry her. So they come to Jesus and they say, "Should is it okay for a man to divorce his wife for every cause, any cause? Well, the law was very strict. If He didn't like anything about her. The Hebrew even implies in the marriage bed, he uncovers and sees her nakedness and doesn't like it. He can divorce her. And, uh, he said, because of the hardness of your hearts, and they were they were property then. Many of them might have killed the women, as a witness Islam today. So he granted a divorcement. So divorce was a good thing. It protected women. But I've heard people just read only the New Testament, and they would advise people to do exactly what the Old Testament says with an abomination. A and B get married, A and B get a divorce, and A goes and marries C. They're living in adultery, so they got to go back and marry B again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's a difference. Jesus is talking to the people of God. And I've gotten in trouble in mission work when I would go and they'd say, How many did you baptize? And I'd tell them, and they said, Did you were any divorced and remarried? And I said, I didn't ask. And they would say, You didn't ask. And I said, No they said, well, you should have. I said, by the way, you're interpreting that, I must, Paul must have said to the Philippian jailer, instead of believe on the Lord Jesus, he must, he should have asked him, have you been divorced and remarried? And I said, I think if it was that important, that there'd be something said about it. When Paul talks about all those things in First Corinthians 7, it's to the people of God, not the world. Well, what's happened through the years, now I've not read this in commentaries, but my study of the Old Testament and trying to put it with the new. I think we've made our theology rather weak by reading only the New Testament and not going back because it changes our hermeneutic and our hermeneutic evolves. And a lot of times we're about like this lady was cherry picking. We kind of have a salad bar religion. We pick what we want. Like you go to you, you go to Golden Corral, and you pick what you want. It may not be the healthiest thing, but that's what you want. <laughs> instead of eating the, the law, which that's a metaphor too, the prophets ate the words, they ate the books, instead of taking the whole law and trying to follow it. So I, I, I think, I said I was going to go through all of that. I think that's what Paul's doing in Galatians because he keeps talking about faith. He, he's talking about you need to understand these people obeyed, and I think the implication is they sinned and made mistakes, but they had faith and mm-hmm. there's a simple principle that's going on back there that is really in the New Testament because most of the things have been spiritualized we we often go too far and we talk about the old Testament and, and the New Testament was spiritual and the Old Testament wasn't but you shall not covet, is not a physical act. And yet, adultery was a sin, but lust is a sin of the New Testament. Murder is a sin in the old, but hatred of your brother is, is murder in the New Testament. The temple and tabernacle was where God dwelt, but we are the temple and tabernacle of God today. And so things have been spiritualized, and I think most of us don't think that way. We don't think that way at all. And what's happened is, is to use the old KJV and ASV, the, the, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. They, are our, they were our examples, according to First Corinthians 10. They're bad examples. <laughs> and according to Paul, it was written for our learning. So if we need to learn it so that we can see the difference in the New Testament and how it is so much better. But, um, yes, sir. The, then I think Galatians would make more sense if we yeah.
2: do that. Right. Well, I mean, I've said it before a hundred times like you, you have to have a, an understanding, at, at least a general understanding of the old Testament before you can make sense of the new Testament, because yeah. oh, the, the two, the two are not opposed to one another. They're not, they're not, they they go together and it's, it's like a, a, a tree trunk and the branches, you know, they, yeah. they're different, but the, but the same. And, Um, that's, that's very helpful, I think. And I think it's going to be helpful to people who listen to this podcast to kind of put things in perspective. Um, Keith Parker, who most of our listeners will probably be familiar with preacher, uh, in, I guess he's in the Nashville area. I don't know if he's preaching still. I'm sure he is somewhere. Um, Keith Parker used to always say in sermons, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah. And that, that is really, I think the issue of what we've talked about today with Mm -hmm. the law. Um, The law has a place and a purpose, and it had a place and a purpose in in different ways over different periods of time. And um, when you kind of put the pieces together, you see the whole mosaic, you see the whole puzzle. And the picture there is more full than if you take one piece and say, well, here, let's take this one piece and let's just analyze it by itself.
3: Yeah, well, it's interesting. We can see it with other things. When I came out of graduate school and started teaching at what's now Amridge, and I started teaching on the master's level, advanced intro to the Old Testament, I fell in love with a book that was about 150 pages long by uh, uh, John Hayes and Carl Holliday, Biblical Exegesis. I fell so in love with that, I've used every issue of that. John Hayes is dead now, but Carl Holliday has revised it yet again. Uh, this this fall, after I taught advanced intro and had the one last year, it came out, and I told him, I said, "Okay, when I teach this again, we'll have the new one." And uh, my point is this: uh, if you say that Hazen Holliday's covenant uh, book was the Old Testament law, the first edition, what was the revision? It's not exactly a parallel. So what's what's revised edition two? He's added some things, they've clarified some things, they made some changes in some things. Now with the book, you got to do that all again and again and again. But God could lay out the Old Testament with its purposes to bring people along. And then when the time was right, Galatians, fullness of time, then he says, okay, it's time for the revision two, in which all those things that are material, gonna be spiritualized, and I'm gonna dwell among people, gonna dwell in their bodies, gonna dwell in the church. Uh, they're gonna to have to, it's their hearts they have to deal with, and Jeremiah, write it on their hearts. And and I think if we get a grasp of the Old Testament, that will make a lot more sense. And that's why, again, I say I'm a, I'm a biblist rather than a, uh, a theologian because, It's not that I really got anything against that, but it's frustrating to me to teach Old Testament theology because from the historical critical perspective and all the critical scholars as it's taught, once they threw out the baby with the bathwater, there's been 40 years of not knowing what to do with Old Testament theology. Mm -hmm. What is it? They argue all the time. They've not come to an agreement. I just recently found a a book that I'm going to try to use this spring. Uh I don't have the book with me. I can't uh Bellinger, I think is his name, where maybe I'm prejudiced because I just wrote that book on Psalms and Prayer. Improving your prayer life through the study of the Psalter. But he he makes a strong argument that <laughs> thank you, thank you. Great. <laughs> As all books. I was discouraged when I found a, found a typo in it later. I went through that thing, went through that thing. But uh But what he does is he gives a background of Old Testament theology, historical research, and then he goes into the Pentateuch and talks about theology, the historical books and talks about theology, goes through all the major sections, and then he gets to Psalms and he talks about it, and then he starts working, and he says, in their worship, the Psalms contains theology and theological perspectives that you can find in the Pentateuch and the historical books and the prophets. And so I finally found one I like. <laughs> Maybe it's my prejudice, uh, but it, it, it kind of makes sense that you, because it's like the Psalms is the core of the wagon wheel and there's all these others and they're related to one another. And it shows what God was doing there as he prepared us for the Messiah.
2: Nathan, you got anything else? we about hitting our time.
0: No, I was about to say, no, man. Uh, I was, you know, I was looking for a way to work in that Swiss cheese theology uh, that we keep, we keep talking about. Yeah. But uh, I point I, the I phrase
2: Swiss cheese theology because everybody wants to put holes in it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're I, just trying I'm to. Not vo- sure what to do with it, but
3: one, yeah. I was, I was teaching this Bible class, that, uh, I teach one day and, and I said, I'm a, I, I joked. I said I'm a I'm not a theologian. I'm a biblist. And my wife said, "I like that."
0: <laughs> there you go. It works. It, it it works on a lot of levels. Uh, I which, it did. The the thought popped in my head, ironically, because I've watched several of, of Mackenzie's videos. Ironically, when people have brought up Paul to her, she's used the same illustration. Uh, when you're when you're pulling shit like with Romans six, seven, and eight, and Galatians chapter five, she's she said you can't just pull Paul out of context and only take the things you like and disregard all the other traditions and everything that come along with his teachings. And so, I, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how much we can continue to talk past one another uh, oh, yeah. sometimes yeah. in these conversations. is yeah. really yeah. not comical because it's almost sad, but I don't yeah. know of a better word to describe that. Um, well,
3: and when you have such a short period and you're trying to make your point, you don't get right. the background. Mm-hmm. Right, we need to learn to slow down, and I I'm honored that you have a copy. I hope uh, you'll send me some. You can you can
0: thank it. Joshua for that. It was actually I I <laughs> texted uh, I was I was messaging Joshua and I was like, hey, I said like, this next quarter I'm going to teach a class called Praying Through the Psalms, and he said, hey, you should go buy this book, and that's what we're using <laughs> yeah. right now. It's fantastic. Well, I, I've I've been
3: I've been I've, pleasantly surprised. It grew out of I, I, we're down to the end. We're on personal stuff now, but uh, Joshua knows this, it grew out of my personal struggle. When I wrote that predestination of the foreknowledge of God and the free will of man and in the churches of Christ, I surveyed was an analytical survey. And, uh, I found out that we were Calvinistic in our prayer life and our Armenian and our foreknowledge. And, uh, my prayer life stunk. I didn't realize that we were Calvinistic at that time, I was, I had a, <laughs> I joked, I delivered that baby in that postpartum depression and nobody cared. And I was really depressed and I was struggling to, that was 79 and I went on to work on my doctor and it was in 84 when my professor that I mentioned there, Dr. Riemann, he had taken a year of sabbatical and he came back and he started this Psalms class. And I probably knew more Calvinism than all the reformed people in there. I digested Calvin, man, I had him. And he started castigating Calvin for what Calvin said about prayer. And I said to myself, yeah, that's how I pray. So that's the problem. (laughs) And so I began this journey trying to figure out and ask questions that shock people. But I found out as I taught it several times at workshops and in Bible classes that what it did is give people permission. They've been feeling the same way, many, and they didn't know what to do, like I didn't. And so it's been a, been very pleasing to 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 open the door for some people and let them sort of right. out of the closet, like I was. Uh, kind of it, it, my prayer life makes sense now, and right. and I uh, I I don't need to ask, does God know? Right. I need to just pray. Right. <laughs> well, if, why is trying to figure out whether God knows and how he does it? Why does that having? I need to just be doing it and tell him exactly how I feel. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well, there,
2: we, no. we really enjoyed the book. Uh, we taught it here at Salem Creek in a uh, Bible class. I taught it. Nathan's I guess is working through it. And yeah. it. Give another yeah. shameless plug. I'll show <laughs> my book. It's a little bigger. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Bailey wrote a commentary on Exodus. Since we're talking about the law for college press, uh, if you need a good commentary to go through and uh, learn some things about excess, it prompted a, uh, an article for me to write yeah. that I'm working on getting published now and presenting. So um, thankful for that. Uh, Nathan, anything else before we get off here, our no, time's up. So we, we that's wrap it, man.
0: Up. That, that's it. We appreciate everybody uh, who again, tunes in and sends us videos to, to look over. We want more and more people to do that, right? If you've got questions on videos that you find, be sure to let us know. Dr. Bailey, Thank you so much Welcome. again for being on uh, with us today. We always appreciate our guests, especially when they have busy lives of their own. So well, I, um, I'm, I'm
3: honored that you did, and I was thrilled to participate. I appreciate it. Well, thank,
0: well, you. thank, thank you so appreciate much. It. Uh, oh, Merry, Merry Christmas, of, Christmas and a happy new year. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Merry Christmas, happy new year, everybody. Uh, if you ever want to reach us, just reach out. We're available on generally all social media, and if you know us, you can call us. All uh, right. Joshua, is that it? That's it. We are good? That's all it. right. Next time, guys. Thank you so much.